The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Friends, confidants, today's show is being done with my one-year-old asleep one room over. So we're going to do today's show in what I like to call fake broadcaster style, where instead of getting actually super animated on the show, I'm just going to do it with the pitch of my voice, and then... I'm going to boost the volume a ton in post. What's the... Fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. So happy Thursday, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris, and this is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, hoop-ball.com. The website at Hoopball Tweets on Twitter for those folks that have not yet found the big umbrella account. Thank you to everyone that has already checked out uh, our brand new two podcasts so far, including but not limited to, for the moment, the Dynasty show that dropped this week called Punt Intended. Rhett and Travis doing a magnificent job with that show. And William Harris's new pod, the All Rookie Podcast. We have added, I mean, I got to tell you, like the fact that this is what we've been able to add so far this offseason, I am over the moon excited about it. It's something that I've felt, and I think I can be frank with you guys, I felt like we've kind of lacked that sort of coverage at Hoopball in the past. We're, you know, Brew, our founder, he'll take shots, but his shots are not usually with the youngest guys. And you guys know me, I never take shots on the young guys. And to a certain degree, I just don't even pay attention to them because the ROI on my effort is so crummy. I could do monster digging on 30 or 40 young players and figure out that maybe one of them is worth exploring when the time would just be better spent handicapping the other guys of the NBA. So to have these new shows, to have William doing a show about rookies and young players, to have Rhett and Travis doing a show on Dynasty Leagues, which of course does focus to a certain degree on young players, but really you just it, it focuses on age not necessarily youth, but age is the key factor there and how long you can hold guys and rookie drafts. Just really, really cool. Again, those shows are called the All Rookie Podcast and Punt Intended. Those are the two names. They're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those different spots. Please do go check them out. You're going to add them to your ledger. I'm fairly certain of it. And again, if you're in a dynasty league, we now have the show for you. I'm also, by the way, Super excited to note that a couple more pod uh, newsies, newsers, will be dropping either next week or the week after that. Yes, there's more. The offseason is great here at Hoopball. This is when we get ahead. During the season, you tread water. You win, but you're not going to start a bunch of new stuff because you're working so hard to get through the season. This is when we grow. This is when we do our cool stuff. So again, I tell you guys... If you want to start a podcast, even if it's not about sports, hit me up. This is when I, we, have the time to work through it. 
But enough of that nonsense, because the baby could wake up in any minute. I want to dive straight into the basketball. Well, we nailed the handicap on Phoenix Clippers yesterday. Went into that ball game saying, what are the odds that Paul George has 40 points on 20 shots again? Very low. I think I said somewhere, what, 10%? Isn't that the number I said? 10? Maximum 20% chance. So you take your 80 to 90% fade on a game that was basically a pick 'em. The Clippers winning that game in Phoenix totally changed the way that odds makers were able to list this particular series. And then Chris Paul, who had been pretty bad actually since coming back from his COVID protocol, was brilliant. And they lit him up. 130-103, the final score. I I thought the total was right. It was not. Phoenix scored 130 points, so clearly the over was the play in that ballgame. Suns uh, had about 110 possessions or so and uh, really were fantastic. 17 three-pointers on top of the 56% shooting. Clippers uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 103 possessions, so... To that end, if this was a relatively average offensive performance, you would have gotten around that 215 number. So that's why I thought the total was more or less accurate in the ball game. But as it turned out, Phoenix was extraordinarily efficient on the offensive side, and they blew that thing away. Series over. We don't really have to handicap it anymore, although it does, I think, come back to something we mentioned on yesterday's podcast, which was... How do you handicap some of these Western Conference or really any playoff team going into the next regular season? And I'll tell you right now, I'm hard fading the Phoenix Suns next year because this was their maximum effort season. This is when Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, all these guys played as many games as humanly possible during the regular season this year because they had to establish chemistry and clout. They had to establish confidence in themselves that they could do it against the best teams in the NBA. And now they're doing it. Yes, they've had some advantages with superstars being injured. Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Jamal Murray, if you want to call him a superstar, he's close. But they're doing it. And it's a short offseason. So they'll be playing into the middle of this month, and next season starts in about three and a half months from right now. So you think Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Aiton, these guys, you think those dudes are going to play... 75 games next year? I doubt it. I I truly doubt it. Not with as many games as they've played this season, how deep they've gone into the playoffs. And I might argue something similar on the Clippers side, which was a team we broke down two days ago on the podcast, that Paul George, I thought this was his year to really make the push, and instead he's racked up, I think, the most minutes of anybody in the playoffs to this point. So, nope. I'm I'm hard fading these teams that go deep into the playoffs. I know that the the break isn't as severe as last season, where it was really like two months almost between when the playoffs ended and when teams were getting back together. It's a little bit longer this time around, a little bit, but it's still not a full off season. We're still about a month deeper, rather a month shorter on the off season, and especially an older guy like Chris Paul. That's going to be a tough turnaround. So as much profit as we've made off Chris Paul the last two years in fantasy drafts, this is the year where we're probably going to be shying away this coming season. Meanwhile, back at the lab or the lair of the Super Friends, Atlanta is in Milwaukee tonight. Bucks favored by three. 
Giannis, doubtful. Uh, Trey Young, Clint Capella, both questionable. So Giannis is likely... No, you know what? He's actually been downgraded from doubtful to out. So Giannis is out already. Now, the the question, I think, on this ball game that jumps right into the forefront is not so much who on the Bucks is going to be asked to pick up the slack, because it's clearly Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. That's the way that they're built, and that's the way it worked during the regular season as well. The question is, if Trey Young plays and Giannis doesn't, which is my guess on how this thing turns out, do we see the flip of what we got in Game 4, which was the Bucks coming out very lackadaisical against the Hawks team without their superstar, Atlanta getting off to a quick start, Giannis getting hurt, and the Bucks never getting back into the ballgame. I personally want almost nothing to do with the side on this game. I don't have any idea if the Bucks. I would assume that Middleton and Holiday are going to come out laser-focused without Giannis. So I think you're going to get a pretty damn good effort out of the Bucks. What I don't know is whether or not the Hawks are going to be able to have that same gusto they had in the last ballgame if Trey Young sits. And if he plays, is he healthy enough to be the Trey Young? So I think I'd lean probably to Milwaukee on the side. They will be a bit more disciplined on the offensive side without Giannis, although certainly from an efficiency standpoint, they'll be worse. They'll be more disciplined, but they'll be overall worse. It's a weird counterbalancing thing. Like, they won't be as much worse as you might expect, but they will be worse. The, the total, on the other hand, which is currently at 215.5, I think is one area we really want to be focused hard. When Giannis is out, the Bucks play slower. It's similar to what we talked about before Game 4 of this series, which was if Trey Young is out, the Hawks will play slower. Now, give Atlanta a ton of credit. They were very good at shooting the basketball in Game 4. They made their buckets. They shot 51%, but they only took 85 shots. Had 11 turnovers, only 13 free throws, so really not that many possessions. Even if we just do our fuzzy math and call the free throws six and a half possessions. 85 plus six and a half is 91 and a half, plus 11 is 102 and a half. 102 and a half possessions. That's not much. The Bucks in that ball game uh, were around 108 or so. So slightly more. And then again, Giannis left when he got hurt in the third quarter, I think, of that ball game. If I'm remembering correctly, I might not be. Either way, he played a little bit more than half. So if you just called that a typical offensive performance, you would have expected the total actually to be somewhere around 210-ish, 211. It was an underachieving effort because the Bucks were so bad on offense. They shot 39% in the ballgame that even though the Hawks were so good on offense, it didn't make up for it. Total of 215.5 in this one. It's coming down, but not as fast as you might expect. Last one was 216. This one's down by only about a half or a full point. I would actually lean to the under again, mostly because I think without Giannis, the Bucks change their offense a lot. Remember, a lot of what Milwaukee does is built on Giannis getting the rebounds and pushing the basketball himself. A one-man fast break. With him not there, 
someone like a Brook Lopez is likely going to have to do a bunch more rebounding. He's he's mostly tasked with boxing out so that a smaller player can get the board and they can run. He's going to probably have to go get the board, hand it to a smaller player. Smaller player is going to bring it into the front court. That's going to give Atlanta a chance to set their defense. Sure, you could make the argument that Milwaukee's probably going to be better on offense in this one. So, uh, you know, 198 final total in that last ball game. That was pretty good for under betters, which was the direction we were talking about if Trey Young sat that ball game out. There's also the fear that Trey Young gets ruled in and can push the pace a bit on the Atlanta side. But I just think this one's going to be a, a knockdown, drag it out kind of brawl of a basketball game where I'd be pretty surprised if either team hit 110 points. I just don't think there are going to be enough possessions in the game. So I lean to the under and I lean to Milwaukee. I think the Bucks will be better in this one than people expect without Giannis. Not again, not that he's a detriment to their team. He's not, but he is the guy that kind of breaks their strategy in the postseason at times, gets them out of their game plan. You remove him. He's still their best player, by the way. Like you're not you're not better without Giannis, but remove him and you might actually be more focused without Giannis. You might do the things you prep to do, at least on the offensive side. Let's speak to the defense. He's very good on that end of the floor. Both, actually. One other issue is if Clint Capella ends up sitting this ballgame out. If Capella's not there, Atlanta loses their rim protection, and that completely changes expectations on who's going to get what sort of looks at the bucket. I don't see Middleton and, and Drew doing a great job of finishing over Capella the way that Giannis can. So you take that out as well. Shot selection is going to get tougher for Milwaukee. If Clint is out and it's John Collins or Okongwu or Nathan Knight protecting the rim, that's a little different. So I lean under, I lean bucks. Although the side is a tough one. It's a tough one. Atlanta might pull this thing out. I mean, three points. I would, I would have hoped this game would have been closer to a pick em, but they're not going to give... They're not going to make Giannis worth like nine points. So, uh, yeah. And then if Trey plays, that might be your angle. You wait on the Trey news. Assume he's playing in this ball game. That line may come down to about a pick em. Then I'd look at the Milwaukee side uh, if it gets down that low. And if the total jumps up on Trey Young being ruled in to like 218, then I'd love the under. Right now, I like the under and the side is a little nerve-wracking. Trey Young news could change that a little bit. Moving along to the fantasy side of things, and so far we haven't woken up the baby, so we're doing well. We'll just keep rumbling. On the fantasy side, we're into the fourth team out of five in the Pacific Division. We're going to go ahead and do the Phoenix Suns because now we at least know what their the length of their season is going to look like. They're, they're in the finals. Congratulations, by the way, the Phoenix Suns. They're in the finals. They're going to be exhausted next season, particularly the 30-plus crowd, which is really just Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. But it's worth, it's worth noting, and I think that's going to creep down a little bit. Even if you're in your 20s, you're playing that deep. I mean, look at what it did to Jamal Murray, young fella. Man, just overuse. Tried to play through some injuries this year. Tried to stay on the floor. Nope. Had a bad one. Brutal. So Suns are going to be careful 
during next regular season. I'll start our Suns breakdown by talking about that element, which is this is a team you basically want to fade almost all of them. Because the, the, the thing that jumps out about Phoenix this year is their health. They were strikingly healthy during a season where no one was. Chris Paul, 70 out of 72 games. Aiton, 69. Mikael Bridges, 72. Booker, 67. Their four most important players missed a combined 2, 5, 10. That's less than the average one player missed for fantasy players inside the like top 120, 140 range on a per-game basis. I don't care about totals, because totals you're going to get guys that played more games. On a per-game basis, these guys combined, think about that, four players combined to miss fewer games than the average one player missed during this weird COVID sprint season. There is no need, now that they're in the finals, there is no need for them to worry about grinding through a regular season. Yeah, they're going to want home court advantage, but they also see what's going on around them. This was a current, is, I shouldn't say was, this is their best opportunity. Because the old, the one old guy that really mattered on their team, Chris Paul, stayed healthy. The young guys were less of a question mark because they had a full off season. So Paul basically did as well. He uh, got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs last year, but they were relatively rested. And the teams that you'd expect will finish ahead of the Suns in a normal season were a bit more beat up. Clippers superstars missed 20 plus games. Lakers superstars missed 20 plus games. Nuggets lost Jamal Murray. The Jazz were sort of the surprise much better in the regular season than the playoff type of team. The Warriors were without Klay Thompson. The Blazers missed Nurkic for most of the season. The Mavs were the Mavs. But if you're the Suns, you you had this this was this is was is your golden opportunity. Not only did you get a regular season where the key opponents missed a ton of basketball games. And don't get me wrong, the Suns played a fantastic regular season. But if Chris Paul missed 20 games or Devin Booker missed 20 games, they're not 30 games over 500. They're right there in that clump with the Nuggets, the Clippers, or maybe worse. And if the Lakers superstars don't miss half the season, they're up there in the top two or three. And the Clippers played themselves down into the four seed, or they would have been the three seed just like, what, about two games back of Phoenix? If they don't tank the last couple to get out of the Lakers half of the bracket? I mean, I guess technically it worked. If they had Kawhi for this series, they'd probably be going to the finals, maybe. Certainly would have been a better series. It was a good one. It was good. 4-2, but I think we all knew the Suns were eventually going to get there without Kawhi Leonard over on the other side. So the overarching theme with Phoenix is budget in more missed ball games next year. If guys exceed that handicap, terrific. Terrific. But everything we do has to be built on the likelihood, which nothing is 100% likely to happen. What's likely to happen, there is, I think, a better than 50-50 shot 
that Chris Paul gets back-to-backs off next year. Probably a lot of them, maybe all of them. DeAndre Ayton probably has a lingering injury of some kind that knocks him out for a week or two. Booker, same story. There is just no reason for them to play themselves into an early grave when they already know they're good. And on that same vein, if you're thinking about the chemistry side of things, Chris Paul is the only relevant player on this team who might not be under contract next year. But then you see that he's due $44 million this coming season. He ain't opting out of that. But Booker signed for three more years. Aiton, this coming season, his uh, initial deal will expire, so they'll have to work on his next contract. But Crowder's got a couple more. Bridges, this will be the year where they're working on his next contract. Cam, uh, uh, you know, a campaign comes off the ledger. But in terms of the fantasy players, Paul, Booker, Aiton, and Bridges, and then if you're in a deeper league, Jay Crowder, these guys are all there this coming season. So you know exactly what to expect on a per-game basis, and then you just have to ratchet down the games played by a bunch, particularly for our favorite player on planet Earth in fantasy, Chris Paul. There's no way he's playing 70 out of 72 games or 80 out of 82 games in a regular season next year. No way! With as deep a playoff run as his team just made, you could make... A viable argument, I wouldn't agree with you, that Bridges, Aiton, Booker, the young guys, might get to 90% of their games next year. Possible. In which case, Bridges, probably still going to be a decent draft pick. Aiton, perhaps he goes more towards the 40 range where his per-game numbers were settled. He'll probably get overdrafted. And then Devin Booker almost definitely get overdrafted, even though he was pretty clunky this year. Finished by uh, totals number 49 per game 78. I'd take Bridges over Booker next season. And he beat him this year, too. Not close, by the way. Mikel Bridges by totals this year? Number 11. Guys, first rounder by totals. Aiton, second rounder. Paul, first rounder. Booker, fifth rounder. Jay Crowder by totals was 119 per game, 139, so he's out of them. There's their zero upside type of player, and no reason for him to play in all 82 games next year either. Cam Johnson, does his role increase? Probably not. It's probably is who he is. I think of all of these guys, the one I'd be most willing to take a shot on would be Mikel Bridges. I don't know what... I don't know where he's going to get drafted next year. Again, he was number 43 on a per-game basis, and he's been super durable, which was great because this year his role increased. He played 33 minutes of ball game. He had that sort of big jump that we all knew was coming from a uh, minutes standpoint, but he, he took it upon himself to take more shots, and that was stellar work. And played in all 72 games. 82, all 82 is his rookie year, 73 last season, which I think was every regular season game they had. So he, again, if anyone, gets the durability tag. I'm less worried about the short offseason for Bridges than I am for Aiton, who's a big man, Booker, who is not not older necessarily, but I don't think he's going to see the need to push himself quite so much. With Bridges, you might just see sort of a natural growth 
to his game in a fourth season that might even outweigh whether you know, a missed game or two here and there. But that's really it. And it, it's strange for me to do this, but I mean, this is, this is the case for a lot of the teams in the Pacific Division. Not the one we're breaking down tomorrow. We're talking Kings on tomorrow's podcast. But the Suns, deep playoff run, no reason to push in the regular season. Clippers, you know, they're more concerned about having their guys healthy in the playoffs and heaven help them and didn't get them all the way through this year. Lakers, they'll have some turnover and they'll work on chemistry. LeBron likes to play if he's healthy, but they're going to be very careful with Anthony Davis next year after this calf stuff, which I'm sure the Lakers were watching it, Achilles calf, just praying that nothing was tearing. So he'll be kid-gloved for sure next year. Which, again, leaves the Warriors, who we just talked about, I don't know how you... I don't know how you draft Clay Thompson. Steph, who will probably play in about as many games next year as this. I liked Draymond Green. Of all of the the players we've talked about in the Western Conference so far on this podcast, Draymond Green is, is might be my my favorite target, which isn't saying much. Outside of the Kings, who again we're we're going to be covering tomorrow, there are very few players in the Western, in the Pacific Division that have the need, the requisite drive to dominate a regular season. Steph is a maybe. Dre is a maybe. Mikel Bridges is a maybe. Like, if he gets better. Because he could actually still get better. He and OG Ananobi just taking these strides right alongside one another. Same... Same general player, one team ravaged by COVID, the other not. And various injuries and so forth. But Lakers? LeBron? No. AD? That's a tough one. I mean, he's going to have to fall probably towards the end of the first round for me to feel comfortable taking that plunge after the... And and I'm sure he'll come back next year with a little something to prove. So I think his per-game numbers will be better, but there's just no way they let him play more than about 70 regular season games next year. There's no way. And the Lakers don't have other guys that are fantasy-relevant. And AD missing 15 games doesn't thrust anyone else into the forefront unless you think maybe Mondrez Harrell, but I'd rather not. The Clippers, tough to make a push on anyone there besides maybe Yavitsa Zubats if you think he's the sort of high floor, very low upside, highly durable. Could he get to 25-ish, 26 minutes a game? I doubt it, but worth a flyer, I guess. As someone you, more in a head-to-head type scenario, you can just drop in there for whatever it is, like 9-7 and seven every game, sure, fine. Kawhi, at least we know exactly what we're getting. Paul George, nah, he ain't, he ain't pushing himself after this run. Rough, man, rough. Pacific Division, you will see my fantasy teams will not be playing on Pacific time very much next year. Although, there are arguments to be made in Sacramento, but... Their contract situation is pretty weird out there. So we'll cover that on tomorrow's podcast. We made it through this one. Not quite a half an hour. Whisper volume. The baby remains asleep. 
you get a show, and I somehow made it through. Have a great Thursday, everybody. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Check out all of our new stuff over at HoopBall. It's all free. All those podcasts I just told you about earlier in the show, they're all free. Great work, everyone. You guys are kicking butt. I love it. I'm so excited. So excited about what we got going on at the Hoob these days. Anyway, have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow at full volume. So long.